0: So now over to John Palford and who's going to bring to us our reading from 2 Timothy and chapter 3. Thank you, John. Good morning. This morning's reading is
1: taken from the second book of Timothy, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come, come to a knowledge of the truth. But as Janice and Jambras oppose Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far, because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I, endure, I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, for every good work. Amen.
0: Amen, and thank you, John, for reading that scripture and bringing that scripture to us. What is truth? This was a famous quotation, a famous question that Pontius Pilate, the Roman procreator, governor of Judea, threw back at Jesus during the trial of Jesus just before his crucifixion. What is truth? And Pilate is suggesting that truth doesn't actually exist, that we make up our own truth. It's a cynical and jaundiced view. And the tragedy is, it's extremely popular today. Indeed, the world has recently been shaken by events in America and the storming of the Capitol building in Washington, a country that's whenever it's confronted by a truth that it finds uncomfortable shouts it down with the statement of fake news, fake news. And so people have become so polarised in the United States because they simply accuse the other of being fake and not being true whenever they say something that's contrary to what they believe, believe or fail to confirm their own prejudices. The loss of reason, the loss of discernment, the loss of truth what is truth and this is a great challenge for us in 2021 because people no longer believe in actual truth they believe that truth can be found inside yourself that you and I can have our own truth our own normative morality that determines the things that happen around you people speak about finding themselves and life coaches encourage us to be themselves, to look inside and to discover truth and to discover the real you. But let me be total and brutally honest at the start of this message about truth and discovering truth. But you don't find truth inside yourself. Truth is not in something that's buried inside the human psyche. This is utter nonsense. It's totally false. It is not true. It's also very damaging and I believe very strongly it's partly responsible for the number of young people in our country and around the Western Western Europe that currently are suffering um, uh, mental health issues because we have taught them and mistaught them. The truth is found in there and it's not. Truth is not found inside ourselves, it's found outside ourselves. This is not a new thing. Since the 60s, people have been dropping out of society, going on pilgrimages or going away to find themselves, going to the east and trying uh, meditation, other ways of finding who they really are. They talk about going away on, on this voyage of discovery to find themselves. They speak of peeling off this skin or that skin that's been imposed upon them by their parents by their upbringing by their schooling by their society by their culture peeling off these skins and these impositions upon who they really are to discover just in fact who and what they are the problem is is that what after peeling all the skins off you discover this you discover that you're an onion an onion Because an onion is made up of the sum total of its skins. Its skins make who it is. All those skins are part of what comprises the onion. The skins are the sum total of what an onion is. People, the first thing we need to know today is this. Truth isn't found inside us. Truth is found outside of us. Truth is real. And for truth to be truth, it's immutable. It doesn't change. The idea that truth can be changing it for every generation, or even worse, as we believe now, for every individual, isn't absolute nonsense. That's not truth. How can one person's truth contradict another person's truth? Surely, if it's truth, one of them has got to be wrong. Or both of them are wrong. Both of them don't understand what truth is. What is truth? Martin Luther had an interesting way of describing the human condition. He spoke of the human condition as having the heart curved in on itself. The heart curved in on itself. That the inner person was bent and distorted into itself. It was naturally selfish, naturally self-focused, naturally self-consuming. It's fascinating that um, the Bible, he speaks about this and this is exactly what the Bible speaks about. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says this, the heart is deceitful. It's deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? So if you are trying to find truth by going into your heart, you're just going into the heart of confusion the heart of deception and it's going to confuse and deceive you even more and you're going to end up with mental illness. You're going to end up not with truth but profound untruth that's going to rob you of your peace and your sense of mental and physical well-being. Today we are beginning a new series to take us into the new year and it's a series of five declarations Five ancient declarations that go back to the 15th century, particularly beginning in 1517. They are the slogans or the declarations of the reformers, the reformation. And they're called the five solas, and that's Latin for for, for principles of one. And the first principle we're going to look at today, the first sola, is this. It is sola scriptura, sola scriptura, which means the Bible alone, scripture alone. And this all began when Martin Luther, the famous German priest, he went into Wittenberg and he nailed 95 points, 95 theses against the door of Wittenberg. Um, church and this and that this was the public space the public forum and if he wanted to make an announcement or leave a, a notice that's where you put it and he had 95 changes he wanted to make to the way that the roman catholic church were conducting themselves on certain theological issues and his 95 theses were nailed to the door and left there for all to see this began what became the reformation And Protestants all across Europe began to protest. They began to protest about the abuses that were occurring within the Catholic Church. Corruption at the highest echelons. Immorality. Teachings that were contrary to the teachings of Holy Scripture. A sense that that the Catholic Church had lost its way. And Martin Luther never intended to leave the Catholic Church. He wanted to reform it, he wanted to improve it and to bless it. But unfortunately he was excommunicated by the Pope. And as a consequence he couldn't continue as a Catholic priest. And so the dice was rolled and the Reformation as we know it began. Sola Scriptura, this great banner of the Reformation is saying by scripture alone. It's a call to make the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the supreme authority in our lives. You see, the Roman Church has even to this day three sources of authority. It has Holy Scripture, but on a par with Holy Scripture, there's also the Holy Father, the Pope. And then there's the Holy Church councils who begin and introduce church tradition and these three pillars of scripture, pope and tradition are the authority. and They sit on a parallel, each one informing in the other. But the reformers don't believe this. I don't believe this as a Christian. I don't believe that a man can speak infallibly. And that was a problem, you see, because whenever the pope spoke from the Vatican, whenever he spoke from his ex from his holy throne, He spoke infallibly. What he said could not be contradicted because it was seen that he spoke from God. And so his words could never be rescinded. It was true because the Pope said it. The real problem was during the 15th century there in fact were at first two Popes and then latterly three Popes. It was called the Western Schism and from 1378 to 1417, there were two and then later on three popes. The, the, um, the center of the Roman Catholic Church had moved from the Vatican in Italy, it moved across in fact to Avignon in, in, in France. There was a Pope in Avignon and the Pope was there for 70 years and eventually that move came back to the Vatican, but the Romans, um, the, 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 um, the Northern Italians wanted a Roman Pope, not a French Pope as so they appointed their own Pope. And so you had a pope in Northern Italy and you had a pope in the Vatican and you had still a pope in Avignon in France. You had three popes and each one of them were protesting and speaking out against the other. Each one was excommunicating the other. Each one was speaking a different message. You cannot have three popes all speaking the truth or speaking without error, without without fault. And so the reformer said, no, the pope cannot speak infallibly. The Pope is a man and no man is infallible. Do I hear an amen from all the ladies out there? (laughs) Men are human and humans make mistakes and their teachers and their pronouncements can be an error and that's true of church councils and churches. So the the reformers said one of the first principles is this, sola scriptura. The Bible alone is the single greatest authority, the supreme authority in the life of the church. Church councils and church tradition can have have a value and be right. But the supreme authority in the life of the Christian is not the, the tradition of the church or anything like that. It is the Bible alone. It stands above and beyond. Sola Scriptura. And this is a very important principle for us, people living in 2021, for modern Christians in the modern day. You see, we read earlier on in 2 Timothy 3, and Paul and John read well for us. And, And it's very important to take that last verse, those two last verses, verses 16 to 17, that speak about the Bible in the context of what Paul is saying. You see, here in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to a student pastor, his protege. Timothy. He's probably in his mid-30s. But Paul is writing to Timothy from prison. Paul is being persecuted. He mentions some of his persecutions in this very passage. You see, he's writing to Timothy at a time of great apostasy. People are and were rejecting the truth. He's writing at a time of great persecution. Christians are being punished for believing the truth. Is writing at a time of great confusion. People are asking the question, just what is truth? And so the first thing we see in this passage is the last times. The last times. And Paul doesn't gloss over it as what's happening. He writes to his protege, he says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last day. Terrible times, literally in the original language. That's talking about difficult times to live through. Terrible times and we live in difficult times, don't we? We live in difficult times for many reasons. Many of the things we've believed or have been taught for years are being questioned and things have being pulled down all around us and things are being turned up, uh, up, up on our heads. In, in my generation when I grew up as a, as a young person, I was taught to respect my elders and nowadays the emphasis tends to be on respect the youth and not the elders. The youth talk to, and tell us what to do and how to go about the future. Even given their limited experience, things are being turned upside down. Why? Because we no longer believe in truth. Because we're going in a different, difficult, and different direction. And Paul writes here he says, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money proud, boastful, abusive, disobedient of their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And boy, I find myself ticking each one of them off as I look around my society and read our papers. We are just that in this modern day and age. Does this resonate with you? It resonates with me. What we need is to note here is that, in fact, Paul is not just talking about society. He's specifically talking about the church. The previous chapter, he's briefing and preparing and training young Timothy in church leadership. So the first part of the previous chapter is all about how to be a good soldier of Christ. You can read that in 2 verse 3. And then all about how to be an improved worker within the church in chapter 2 verse 15. So Paul is here not just just describing society, he is describing the church in the last times. And this is what um, the big test is all about. Do you love God or do you love pleasure more? Paul talks of, in verses four to five, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness denying his power he's saying these people have the title of being followers of God of being Christian they have a the title of being <coughs> believers and yet they only have a form of what it means and the real title the real presence of God is not there they deny the power of God in their lives you see the love of self leads us to be denuded denies us the power it robs us of the deep inner strength that comes from working and walking with the Lord Jesus day by day in our lives because it seeks to look inside it says I want to please me it's all about me it's all about my pleasures my desires being who I really am and if that's your mantra today you will never have the power of God in you because your, your you is too full of you the Bible is quite clear. We need to walk with Christ. We need to carry that cross that Jesus carried of self-sacrifice. If you feed the you, your life will spiral out of control and will become a chaotic bundle of mess within a very short time. What's addiction? Addiction. Addiction is exactly that. People who find themselves addicted are trying to feed the deep inner man, the deep inner woman inside them. They're trying to feed, to fill that gap and they get obsessed with it until eventually they are consumed by their own need and by their addiction. And they become a mess. And We can do that in our lives in so many different ways. We can become addicted to so many different things outside of God and find ourselves seeking pleasure rather than seeking God. That is the way Away from truth, you will not find truth in here. You will not find goodness inside yourself. The Bible makes it quite clear, we are born into sin and our life is all about trying to change and asking God to change us. And one wonderful day when we are resurrected with Jesus, that resurrection is not just about being given a new life, it's been given a new person. That final journey will be done and the, the old body and the old way and the old corruption will be finally behind us and we'll be new totally spiritual beings fit for the presence of god people don't look for truth inside power in a christian only comes through connection with jesus christ true pleasure is not found in finding ourselves true pleasure is found in finding christ he gives us true pleasure he gives us true uh, purpose He satisfies us in ways that the world cannot satisfy. He enables us to be whom God wants us to be. And there is nothing better, nothing more fulfilling than being the person that God has called you to be. Whoever you are. It's not found in here. It's found in him. It's found in Jesus Christ. The Lord of the universe. The Son of God. And so Paul talks about this. He talks about the last test, the last test, and talks about those who will reject the truth in order to fit in with the current society, who will declare the truth to be fake news, who will simply ridicule and run the truth down, who will begin to teach that black is white, the truth is untruth, the things believed for thousands of years by Christians and the church are actually a fallacy and not true. mere whim Paul speaks about this in verse 8 he says these teachers oppose the truth they are men of depraved minds who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected if Jesus is the way the truth and the life when you reject the truth you reject Jesus and that people is the unforgivable sin because he is the way of forgiveness when you reject forgiveness itself the way of the truth and the life there is no way come back back from that the only way to receive salvation is through jesus that's the truth you reject the truth where can you go just back inside oh good luck with that he is the way the truth and the life you know they can often be quite clever and we've got theologians and christian ministers who were once respected in the church in this country, who are now going down very strange and very dangerous paths, denying formal truths and trying to fit and bend the teaching of the church into the beliefs of our society. They're trying to make the church all about pleasure, what's pleasing to the society. We're not here as a church to to reflect society. We're here as a church to to reflect the kingdom of God. And that reflects the principles of God and the truth as it is and you're never going to help people by pretending something that the bible says is wrong or right and pretending it's the other way around you're just going to damage them and that's what's happening in this nation in the west and around paul says in fact everyone who wants to live a godly life in christ jesus will be persecuted he says we should expect those who want to hang on to the truth should expect not pleasure but persecution because the truth is the truth. This is the last test of truth. The question is, will you be willing to stand by it? Because we Christians are called to stand as Jesus was called to stand, to stand for what is right and proper, to stand against injustice and corruption and lies, even when it threatens our safety. Why? Because truth is important. And Jesus made this abundantly clear when he argues with the religious leaders in John chapter 12. First, he says this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 12, verse 12, that is. And then he says in John 12, verses 31, he says this. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free only the truth sets us free if you believe and follow a lie you go inside and you find a lie and you believe that that to be the truth that will encaptivate in- you that will um, tie you up that will make put you in an internal prison and you will not know freedom only the truth sets us free and that truth is found in Jesus Christ not lies not looking inside yourself, not being yourself, not Eastern or Western philosophies. The teaching of Jesus' truth, liberating an eternal truth. And if we reject this truth, we have failed the fa- the final test, the last test. If we don't behave according to the teaching of the Bible, then we reject the truth and start to live a lie. And that lie eventually will kill us truth is not just to be believed it is to be lived by and acknowledged as valid the bible says elsewhere john's uh, the apostle john writes in one john chapter four he says this if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness we lie and do not live out the truth Truth is not simply something we declare and proclaim. It is something we demonstrate, something we live, something that impacts on the way we conduct ourselves. This is why Jesus says, I am the light. When you walk in the darkness, you stumble, you fall, you put yourself in jeopardy, you put yourself in danger. Only walking in the light gives certainty of the direction in which you're traveling. So Paul here talks about, he talks about the last times. He talks about the last test. the truth and when he talks about the last truth the last and supreme truth for us as christians has always been the bible the holy scriptures and that's what the cry this cry of the reformers is all about sola scriptura the bible alone scripture alone you see when you read the bible you find that the bible declares it of itself Jesus for example teaches that he had he had or has a unique authority to his words John 6 verse 63 Jesus said the spirit gives life the flesh counts for nothing the words I've spoken to you they are full of spirit and life notice Jesus is saying the flesh counts for nothing this flesh going inside here it counts for nothing If you go on this search inside to find yourself, to find the truth, you are going on a wild goose chase. Because Jesus said the flesh counts for nothing. He says the words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Life is found in him, people. Mark 13 verse 31, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Mark seven twenty four. therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. It's his Sunday school stuff, people. His word is dependable, a foundation for our lives. And John eight thirty one to 35, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. As we find that the believers gave special authority, the early church gave special authority to the teaching of Jesus. It was something that was precious and important, and there are three key passages in the Bible that speak about the authority and supremacy of the Bible, and one of them is the very reason I've chosen this passage this morning: is 2 Timothy 3:16. 2 Timothy 3:16. All scripture is God-breathed and he useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Then there's 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets spoke Through human, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 35 Scripture cannot be set aside. You see, the Bible is seen. Originating from God itself. Paul says it is God breathed. God breathes it out. It comes from God's inner person, from His from His being. It is God breathed. It's inspired. In fact, it's far greater than inspired. It is it, it, it's, it's spoken out by God Himself. It is truth. It says in 2 Peter that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of human editors or human authors. Rather, he says they are carried along by the Holy Spirit. The picture there is of a boat being blown forward in direction by the wind. The the wind is filling the sails and, and that boat is running across the waves with great speed. It's carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, it's unchangeable. It's truth, truth remains truth because it's truth by its very nature it doesn't change with age it doesn't change from generation to generation that's not truth. that's that's tr- trend that's cultural trend truth remains unchangeable it's immutable it cannot be set aside says Jesus you see there's authority in the Bible we have a book this wonderful book here the Bible that has authority for our lives that has truth for our lives And it's important to note here that here um, Paul says all scripture is God-breathed. Not some scripture, not some verses or some chapters or some styles like the prophets over the psalms and the poetical or or the the narrative over the historical. He says all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is inspired by God and therefore is true for us to live by day by day. Furthermore, Paul says in verse 17, and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. That is right living or correct living. So if you want teaching on life, go to your Bible. If you need to check out where your life is up to the righteousness of God, then go to scripture because scripture can rebuke you if it's not. If you need to know whether you're going in the right direction, then go into the Bible, because the Bible can correct us and correct our direction, as Lee was speaking about earlier on. It is rightly the training manual for the Christian. It's our supreme authority that can lead us into truth. As you read earlier on in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And so later on, Paul was declaring Romans chapter 1. He said, This, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first of a Jew and then of a the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Can you say that with the apostle? Are you proud of the gospel? Or do you reject it? Are you seeking to align the Bible with our current society to make it acceptable? To make it something that other people can believe because we've taken out the truth and made it a mirror that reflects people's desires and interests. As the scriptures say elsewhere, teaching people what their itching ears want to hear. People, we cannot help those around us by giving them a placebo and pretending it's medicine. It's not. Truth is truth. Only by giving truth can we help our neighbours and our society and those around us. And God's word is truth. Perhaps we're worried because if we preach it and stand by it and declare it, that we, like, Pete, uh, like Paul and Peter, and in fact 11 of the disciples, will be persecuted. Perhaps we're worried that we might suffer as a consequence. In an age when people are confused, depressed and seeking something greater than themselves, we do them a great disservice if we can we say to them they can find the answers inside themselves. When I look inside myself, what do I see? I find myself, like Luther described it, a heart curved in on itself, a selfish heart, a self-satisfying heart. Not something I want to follow or find truth in. We need to look outside ourselves. Mm. Look beyond ourselves. Look to scripture. As scripture alone is the supreme source of truth for the Christian. As it reveals Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God. And his Word is truth. And his Word will set us free. Amen. Amen.